Merry Christmas. As much as we wanted to be able to do this service together in person, uh, we had some people from the church out driving on the roads this morning. Um, many of us were up early praying. And as we thought about it and prayed about it, it uh, just didn't feel right to ask people to come and gather together in such difficult driving conditions. And so although we would have loved to do this in person, uh, it didn't feel like the right thing to do this morning. But we didn't want to leave uh, all of you without something to be able to connect to or engage with this Christmas season. And so we've gathered together here, just a few of us, to try to put together a short little service that we can share with you that hopefully you'll be able to watch and connect with. And so what we're going to do this morning is uh, Andy's going to lead us in a couple of Christmas carols. My daughter Grace is going to read uh, our scripture passage, the Christmas story from Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to share a short devotional and then Andy's going to come back up and lead us in another Christmas carol. And we hope that during these next 30 minutes or so, uh, we'll be able to share with you some of the blessings of this Christmas. And so that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you'll be able to engage with Jesus this morning. Andy, why don't you come and lead us in a couple of Christmas carols? Hark the herald with me. And hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumphs of the skies. Angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the the Godhead see hailed incarnate deity pleased as man with men to dwell Jesus our Emmanuel hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn King Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mildly lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the
turn in your Bibles to Matthew 1. Grace is going to join us and lead us in our passage for today. I'll be reading verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had, her, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to, call, to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Grace, for reading that for us. 
I'd like to share just a few thoughts uh, from this passage on this Christmas day. You know, one of the interesting things about Christmas is that uh, we have lots of songs about Mary. Uh, Mary, did you know? Uh, what child is this? Uh, that song refers to Mary quite a bit. O Little Town of Bethlehem uh, references Mary. Silent Night, uh, Round Yon Virgin, Mother and Child. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Mary is mentioned quite a bit in Christmas songs. But you never hear very much about Joseph. In fact, sometimes it feels like Joseph is sort of expendable in the story. <clears throat> that he's the kind of the character in the nativity scene that if you lost that one, you'd be just fine because he doesn't really matter that much. But it turns out Joseph is not expendable. Uh, not to God, not to Matthew, and not to us today. And so we want to think a little bit about Joseph and his important role in the Christmas story. Now one of the things I find most strange about this passage, I believe it to be true, but it is at least intriguing, is what Grace read for us, the first two verses, verses 18 and 19. It appears that Joseph does not know that Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Mary knows that this is going to happen to her before she even gets pregnant. The angel Gabriel shows up and announces it to her. But she either doesn't tell Joseph or when she tells Joseph, he doesn't believe her, it doesn't register or something happens because Joseph doesn't seem to find out until perhaps four or five months into the pregnancy when Mary begins to show. And even then it doesn't seem like she tells him that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. But Joseph does uh, something very kind, something that Jesus is going to later teach all of us to do, which is to love our enemies and to do good for those who do uh, hard things to us. And so Joseph decides, he assumes that she has been unfaithful, but he decides to be kind to her and he's going to divorce her quietly. You see, Jewish law and Greek law and Roman law all required him to divorce his uh, fiancée if she's been unfaithful. And Joseph, to this point, has assumed Mary's been unfaithful. And so he makes plans to divorce her, not publicly. He wants to do it privately so that she is not ashamed. It's a very kind act for him to do. But God doesn't want this to happen, and so he has an angel appear to Joseph somewhere in the middle of the pregnancy and hey, look, jo tell Joseph, hey, look, you don't understand what's happened here. Something miraculous that's never been heard of. Mary is pregnant, not through any man, but because the Holy Spirit has miraculously created a baby within her. And Joseph has the faith to believe the angel. Now, why does the angel come and tell Joseph? Well, on one hand, of course, God is being kind. Mary's not done anything wrong. She's been given this incredibly hard task, and so... There's no reason for Mary to have to raise this boy as a single mom. I think she's just assumed that nobody's going to believe her, not even her fiance. And so she doesn't tell anybody that the baby that she is carrying has been placed there by the Holy Spirit. I think she's just resigned to the fact that she's going to have to raise this child on her own. But God doesn't want to let that happen. And of course, God wants to be kind to Joseph as well. Why should he miss out on marrying this amazing woman? But I think there's more to it than that. I want you to look with me very carefully at the instructions that God gives to Joseph. He tells Joseph in verses 20 and 21 through the angel, 
that Joseph needs to do two things. One, he needs to wed Mary before the baby is born. And two, Joseph needs to be the one who names the child. If you look in verse 21, the angel says, she will give birth to his son and you are to give him the name Jesus. That's not you plural, as in both you and Mary are to give him the name Jesus. That's you singular. You, Joseph, are to name him Jesus. That's why it says in verse 25, he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to his son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph is given two jobs here. He's got to wed Mary, and he's got to name Jesus. Why is this so important? Well, by Joseph wedding Mary before Jesus is born, and especially by Joseph naming Jesus, he is effectively, according to the customs of the day, adopting Jesus as his son. Jesus is not the only person who's adopted in this way. In fact, in the Christmas story, when we read the Lucan version, the version in Luke, we find out that Caesar Augustus ordered a census of the known world. Caesar Augustus was adopted by Julius Caesar. That's his great uncle. And Julius Caesar adopts Caesar Augustus by giving him his name. That's where he gets the name Caesar from. And so in the ancient world, when you wanted to show that a child was yours that was not biologically yours, you adopted that child by A, marrying the mother, or B, naming the child. And so Joseph does both of these so that Jesus is adopted as his son. Now, why is it so important that Jesus be adopted as Joseph's son? Well, it's because Joseph has a role to play that even Mary herself cannot do. It's hinted to us in verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The role that Joseph plays is that this promise is given to Joseph's ancestors. I want you to look with me, if you have a Bible open, up to an earlier part in Matthew 1, where Joseph's genealogy is listed for us. In verse 16, it says that Jacob, somebody Jacob, we're not sure who that Jacob is, was the father of Joseph. And if you keep going back, we find out that the father of Jacob was Methan, and the father of Methan was Eleazar, and the father of Eleazar was Elihud. Now, if those names don't sound familiar to you, that's okay. They don't sound familiar to me either. We don't know who those people are. But if you keep going back in Joseph's genealogy till you get to verse 11, or so we're moving up now, Josiah was the father of Jeconiah, Ammon was the father of Josiah, Manasseh the father of Ammon, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. To some of us, those names may sound familiar. And that's because those are the kings of Israel and Judah. If you go all the way up to verse 7, 
Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and David, the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. You see, Joseph is descended from not just from David, he is descended of all the kings of Judah. Joseph is in the line of the kings. Kingship passed from father to son, and it goes from David to Solomon to Rehoboam, all the way through this line until it comes to Joseph. That is not true of Mary. Mary's genealogy is given to us in Luke's gospel. Mary is also a descendant of David, but not through Solomon, but through a different son of David, Nathan. It's important that Mary be a descendant of David because that makes Jesus a biological descendant of David. But the problem is, is that Mary's line is not the kingly line. Joseph's is. The kingship passes from father to son until it comes to Joseph. And when Joseph adopts Jesus, Jesus becomes the rightful king of Israel. In the same way that Caesar Augustus inherited the rule of Rome from his great uncle Julius Caesar by adoption, Jesus inherits the rightful kingship of the people of God through his father, Joseph. Now, what does this have to do with Christmas? Well, this prophecy, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The thing that we celebrate at Christmas, the fact that God has become a human to dwell with us. It's important to understand who this prophecy was originally given to. It's given to a man in Joseph's genealogy. He's in verse 9. It's a man named Ahaz. And the reason why it's important that Jesus is in this lineage is this prophecy is given to one of his ancestors and by having it come true for Joseph's son, adopted son Jesus, God has fulfilled his word. This prophecy was given hundreds of years before Jesus was born in the prophet Isaiah. And it was given to a man named Ahaz. Now the thing that's fascinating about Ahaz is that he was a wicked and evil king. He refused to trust the Lord. He aligned himself with the Lord's enemies. And he even went so far as to sacrifice some of his children in the fire to a false god. But it was to this wicked and evil king that the great prophecy of Christmas came. That God would become one of us. That God would dwell with us. Now what's so important about this for you and I today is the fact that the modern Christmas story that we hear, we see in movies, that we see on television and people are talking about, the modern Christmas story is, is that somehow there is a naughty list and a nice list. And that if you're good all year long, then you'll get presents and you'll be rewarded. And that if you're bad, there'll be nothing that comes to you. But the problem with this modern version of Christmas is that it distracts us from the radical, gracious nature of what God actually did at Christmas. The great promise that God would become one of us, 
This was given to Ahaz. If you put Ahaz on the naughty list, you would have to rename the naughty list the wicked and evil list. Ahaz is one of the worst people among the people of God. And yet, to a person on the naughty, wicked, and evil list comes this great promise. And that's because God loves not just good people. God loves all people. This is why his name must be Jesus. Jesus means God saves. God did not come the way the sort of modern version of Christmas says, to simply reward those who are good all year long. God came to save those who are bad. God came to rescue that all of us belong on the naughty list. All of us deserve no presence at all. But God in his kindness made a promise to a wicked and evil king that he himself would come at Christmas to bless. So I want to leave you with two thoughts as we close. The first is wherever you're listening to this, wherever you are in your sort of journey in life, if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior, what I want to urge you is to please don't be confused by the way Christmas is talked about today as if if you're good enough, you can somehow earn salvation. If you're good enough, you can be rewarded that God only wants to be around those who obey all of the time. Please don't believe that. The truth of the matter is God loves all people. God came to save the naughty and the nice. God came among us because he wanted to give to you whatever your sins, whatever your mistakes, whatever the things you've done wrong, God wants to give to you the greatest gift of all, which is Jesus. And the celebration of Christmas is, is that God's gifts come not to those who simply who have been good enough. God's gift of Jesus comes to all of us. Those who are wicked, those who are evil, those who have defied God, those who have rebelled, all of us have fallen away. All of us have done what is wrong. All of us have disappointed God. But God in his kindness and his mercy has given us Jesus. And if you've not yet accepted Jesus, today is the day to simply say, thank you God for this gift. And just like on Christmas, we unwrap presents and accept them. God is giving to you the present of Jesus. And all you have to do is accept it. Now, for those of us who are Christians, the encouragement from this passage for us today is that God wants us to remember Joseph, that he's not an ancillary figure in the nativity scene, and that when you and I see Joseph, we're supposed to be reminded that he himself is a picture of Christmas, that what Joseph determined to do, which was to be kind to Mary, even before, when he thought Mary had done him wrong, when he thought Mary had been unfaithful to him, Joseph decides to treat her with kindness, to do exactly what Jesus commands us to do, to love our enemies, to be kind to those who appear to be unfaithful to us. And the reminder is when you see Joseph in that nativity scene, it's a reminder that this is what God is calling us to do. How God behaved at Christmas is, is that he was kind to his enemies. And God encourages us to do the same. And so this Christmas day, this Christmas season, if you have a, someone who's been unkind to you, if someone who's been unfaithful, a family member who's not treated you the way that you ought to be treated, when you see Joseph in that nativity scene, be reminded that he is a symbol of God's love to those who are not kind. Because through God's love, God brings forgiveness 
in his kindness to all because God loves all people. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that he came not to save those who were healthy, but those who were sick. Thank you for giving him to forgive all our sins, to make us right with you. And I pray this Christmas season that anyone who doesn't understand, doesn't know, hasn't accepted, would know your deep love for them, and they would accept Jesus. I pray for those of us who have accepted Jesus that we would walk in his footsteps, that we would be like even his adoptive father, Joseph, not repaying evil with evil, but evil with good, that we might be kind to the people around us, even those in our family who cause us pain and hurt. I pray, Lord God, that you would make us like your son, Jesus, in this. And as we celebrate this Christmas uh, season and this day in which we celebrate your, the gift of Jesus to us, may you receive all glory and honor and praise as we thank you for this unspeakably great gift given not to people who were good enough, but to all people who had walked away from you. And so thank you for the gift of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Just sing joy to the world with me. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. you come up and close us? Well, we want to close with a great Merry Christmas to you. May the Lord bless you. Uh, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you this Christmas day. Thank you for joining us and have a wonderful Christmas. Amen. <laughs>